It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Locked On Jazz for the 25th of February. What happened over the weekend? What are the playoff implications to it? The Jazz at OKC, one of the great ones of all time, but oh, how painful. And a bounce back versus Dallas. It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. Pow! How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA Insider. This is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Give me insight, expertise, geeky numbers. You can get it at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. You can get it at Spotify as well. And when you get in your car, you can tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on Jazz. Thanks so much for tuning in. I think I just set the table of what we are going to hit today. Today's show is brought to you by Slow the Flow, and I've got Slow the Flow stories, and by Iron Gate Global Advisors. Spencer Nelson was nice to have Spencer on the broadcast on Friday as he stepped in for Britton Johnson, who was coming back from Hawaii. All right, let's get to what happened over the weekend. Uh, some really weird stuff, actually. Uh, and early on, usually over the last three years when we've monitored this, what has happened is... Uh, it kind of follows script. Then we get to the middle of March, and guys get tired. And then we get to eight, late Mar- middle of late March, guys. Teams get tired and lose some games they shouldn't. And then we get to April, and everyone wins as they're supposed to. So Denver was perfect this weekend. Uh, they beat Dallas in the Clippers, and they're, they're rolling toward that two seed. Uh, they only have six games where they're below 50% left the rest of the way. They are... They are cruising toward 55 or so wins uh, and looking uh, very good doing it. They play the Thunder coming up on Tuesday and us on Thursday and are good, you know, really rolling uh, from that point. Oklahoma City and the Jazz played Friday. We know about that incredible game. What's interesting is OKC was supposed to win that, and it cost them the next night when they suddenly lost a game that was an 86% win probability game against Sacramento. So that's... That's an unexpected loss for OKC that, you know, obviously had the Jazz got him on the night before, you don't know necessarily that they would have lost to Sacramento, but that was a tough matchup. They go to Denver. That's not an easy one for them. They've got a bunch of games coming up here. be interesting to see how OKC plays between now and when we see them on March 11th. This is a real stretch for them. They haven't played good teams all year, uh, and they're finally doing so. Uh, Portland just is walking, and this is where this weekend gets important from a Jazz standpoint. Portland in game is just winning games and deserves great credit. And when we did this schedule, the thing about Portland is they only had two certain wins. They had nine should wins. If you're new to this, certain wins are 80 to 100% win probability. Should wins are 60 to 80 win probability. Pickums are 40 to 60 win, then 20 to 40 is unlikely. Portland had six games that were unlikely or no chance. That's uh, the Clippers have eight. The Kings have 17. And then Portland of the good teams had the most. Utah only has two. Houston has four. Oklahoma City has four. Denver has six. And Portland has six. Denver, 
or Portland got a win in one of those six uh, against the 76ers on Saturday. And then pick them games, the Lakers have eight, Portland has eight. Again, Portland has the most. So Portland has the most 50-50 games and the most games where they're 40% or lower of anyone other than the Kings and of all the good teams uh, in this. Of the good teams in the pick'ems, Denver's got four, Oklahoma City's got six, Portland's got eight, Houston just three, Utah just three, San Antonio seven. And Portland got a win against Brooklyn in one of those uh, on Friday night. So a great start out of the break for Portland. And here's what's tough, is if Portland starts to exceed expectations a little bit, we project Portland out at 50 wins right with Utah. Houston, I have projected at 51. Give Portland just a bump of a game here, which they kind of have already earned. And all of a sudden, for the Jazz to be able to get home court advantage, you're going to need 52 wins. That means you have to go 19 and 23 the rest of the way unless somebody dumps one. Right? Isn't that where we are? 19 and 23 the rest of the way to get to 52 wins? I think, you know, and that's that's just being, you know, I, that, I'm not sure that that gets it done. If either of those teams exceed what they're doing anymore, it might not get it done. Uh, but that's that's where the Jazz sit right now is not being 19. We've played 20, so we have uh, we have 23 left. So 19 and 20, 19 and four, the rest of the way would get us to 52 and maybe. Maybe get us home court. Might have to be twenty and three. Home court. That's the OKC loss eliminated. Really ch- catching OKC, which was pretty close to eliminated anyway. Uh, but unless OKC really falls on its face, but that two, you know that's a two game flip. If you could have gotten that, Houston lost a game they were expected to win against the Lakers. They were sixty one percent, but then turned around and won a twenty percent game against the Warriors. We're, you know, Houston's still projecting around 51, so that's why we're coming with 52. We lost the game we were supposed to. The Thunder beat the Mavericks. The story of our season is going to be whether we win the games we're supposed to win. We're 85% against the Clippers coming up here. Um, the Clippers play their third game in four nights. They played a night against Dallas. Uh, they got waxed yesterday by the Nuggets. Then we go to Denver and uh, our... Uh, Expected to lose. And after the Denver game, there is a the next time that we are not favored will be April 7th if we're we could be favored. But after Denver on Thursday, we will be favored. It doesn't mean you win, but we're favored in every single game but one the rest of the way. And so you you know. If you have a 60% win probability, you only win six out of four. If you're favored by one, you probably only win those, you know, five out of ten. But it at least gives you a concept of what's important here for the Jazz moving forward is how they play as much against the Thunder, is how they play against Dallas, which they were really good. And they're really good against the Thunder, too. Frankly, we're playing well. But the Clipper game at home on Wednesday, to me, is more important than the Denver game on Thursday. It doesn't feel that way. Denver's ahead of you in the standings. It's a benchmark, all that kind of stuff. That, that's not how it works. 
San Antonio has lost two in a row, including a loss to the Knicks that got mentioned during the Oscars. That gets interesting. San Antonio, we had projected at 47. They weren't supposed to beat Toronto, but they certainly were supposed to beat the Knicks. You know, the, we're not sure what the Clippers are doing. Sacramento's schedule is brutal, and we're not sure what the Lakers are doing. There might be a really big slide to the bottom between 7, 8, and 9, meaning that the Lakers get in. Could even mean the Lakers get in at 7. If Sacramento, if San Antonio doesn't pull this together, they play Brooklyn tonight. They're only a 40% win probability in that game. Clippers beat the Grizzlies in a pick'em game. That's pretty important for the Clippers. They have seven of those. Lost to the Nuggets, not a big deal. But they just got blasted. But we'll see. Tonight's a game where they're expected to beat Dallas on the back end of a back-to-back. Sacramento lost to the Warriors, which they were supposed to, but then in a no-chance game, and they have eight of them, pulled off a win against the Thunder. It'll be interesting to see how they've got 17 games with a win probability at 40% or less to Sacramento. Uh, two of them coming up, Timberwolves and Bucks next. We'll see whether they can pull those off and suddenly become a viable playoff team. Right now, we had them two games behind the Lakers in 10th, three games behind the Clippers in 8th, and then the Lakers' loss to the Pelicans is terrible. They play the Grizzlies tonight. They beat the Rockets uh, with a helping hand. All right, so that's the look at the playoff push, where we are. Takeaway from the first weekend is... The Jazz are going to have to be impeccable if they're going to get home court. And that 6-3 series against Oklahoma City is, to me, sitting here on the 20th. Originally when we did this, I thought the Jazz would be 50 wins, fifth seed against Houston. Uh, The way Portland just played this weekend and got those wins, I slide us to six thirds against Oklahoma City. This would be ugly. Wouldn't want to play them in the playoffs. Actually, I'll play them in the second round of playoffs, but not the first round of playoffs. All right, I've been asking you guys to share your slow the flow ideas, and I've been getting them. They're great. Jordan Kohler says, I've always been a long shower, like 20 to 30 minutes. I've heard your ad 50 billion times. Every time I showered, I think about it. The timer didn't work for me. It just made me mad. I tell my Google device to set a timer for three minutes now. So I made a game out of it. I play one song on my Spotify playlist, and I need to be done showering by the time the song is over. So now I shower for like two to five minutes. It's still probably longer than I should, but compared to what I was doing, it's a huge change. The song gets me awake and doing all my shower tasks. Might be a little corny, but it helps me, and I've made more time to eat and do other things before work and class. See? This is, that's kind of cool. Jordan Kohler, thank you very much for slowing the flow. Make him a WER All-Star. Ian Patrick says, just wanted to let you know I don't live in Utah, but I'm taking steps to slow the flow here in Omaha. Every time I shower, I play a song through my Bluetooth speaker and make sure my shower is over by the time the song ends. I'll make sure the song is under three minutes. We need to save water everywhere. Thank you very much to Ian Patrick as well as Jordan Kohler for the great ideas. You are WER All-Stars. That's right. We want to slow the flow, and it makes massive difference if all of us do it. Go to slowtheflow.org to find out more. That's slow slowtheflow.org and send me at dlock09 at gmail.com your slow the flow stories. That's dlock09 at gmail.com to get your slow the flow all-star. Seriously, you guys, that's amazing work right there because just that little, well, those were big changes, frankly. That wasn't little. That's a big, big change 
that Jordan made from a 30-minute shower to doing that. Just absolutely awesome. So thank you very much uh, to Jordan for doing that and uh, saving the slow the flow. When you save that one, if we all save that one gallon of all the listeners on this show, be pretty incredibly awesome. Now, let me tell you a little bit more about Iron Gate Global Advisors with my friend Spencer Nelson. Iron Gate Global Advisors is a Salt Lake financial group that's got a unique combination of talent. Spencer Nelson, former Utah State Aggie, is now working with him. That's how I found out about him. It's probably worth noting, Spencer's not just a hoop guy. He's got an MBA, accounting and finance degrees, worked in private equity, worked in Wall Street. Super smart dude. Anyway, got two guys leading this crew. Brian, who's a former Utah State guy, longtime investment management. He's the chief investment officer. And then there's Brett, who Spencer tells us about. Brett has a very cool background, which includes an opportunity he had to work with an option shop in Chicago named Thinkorswim, which is a very well-known options trading shop in the options world. He brings that unique skill set to Irongate, which adds another component to Brian's active management and being able to use options as an asset class to provide protection in down markets and generate income when markets are doing well or flat. Being able to combine myself and Brett and Brian's background and skill sets provides kind of a perfect marriage that really differentiates Iron Gate Global Advisors and provides real value to our clients. Find out more about Iron Gate by calling Spencer at 888-591-0334. That's 888-591-0334. Or email Spencer at Spencer at IGGA.com. That's Spencer at IGGA.com. Anytime we're talking investing, please understand that past performance isn't indicative of future results. Also, options may not be for everyone. They have different risks. Make sure you consult a professional before doing anything with them. Do your due diligence. All right, let's dig into the weekend. The one we want to talk about is the Oklahoma City game. Pretty fascinating game to me in a lot of different ways. Um, You know, I saw the narrative. Um, I didn't disagree with it. I'm going to be told, you know, really the feeling was Ricky's eight turnovers cost us the game, right? Like, let's, no need to hide behind that. Uh, I'm not going to tell you that I left the arena feeling a lot differently. Um, I think that's a now, but let's walk through this for a second. Cause I think it's a lot more complicated than that. Um, as it all often is. And in the moment of despair after what was one of the truly great games I have ever been a part of, um, yeah, I was talking to Matt Pinto. I mean, both of us is the play by play announcer for the thunder. And I was like, am I in, am I in the moment? Um, or is, was that one of the great games that we've ever called? So, I mean, I've got 10 years in the league with the Jazz, 11 with play-by-play overall, and 25 years of working on broadcast. I'm, I'm certain I've had regular season games that good. It just didn't feel like it. I mean, that was that was the whole shebang. A, a, a close game, double overtime. The stars were amazing. Rudy and Donovan were amazing. Incredible. Paul George and Russell Westbrooks. Role players made plays. Offenses, which is what fans like, were awesome. Um, 
It was a pretty interesting game. I mean, the Jazz... So, the Jazz turned it over 19% of their possessions, which is one of their five or six highest of the year. But Oklahoma City's whole defense is built to force turnovers. So, I think... You have to look deeper than just saying, well, Ricky's eight turnovers and our 24 turnovers killed us. Now, 24 turnovers is a totally misleading number because of the fact that we played 120-some-odd possessions that night by the time you're into double overtime. But here's, let me, like, actually, I'm going to go away from the numbers for a second and just give you kind of the strategy if you watch that game, what the Jazz were doing. What the Thunder want to do is bring two guys on the ball at all times. So when the ball handler comes off a pick, the Thunder wants Steven Adams to come up high, impact the ball handler, put pressure on the ball, overplay passing lanes out of that, and create turnovers. They're not a good half-court offensive team, so they want to force these turnovers, get out and run, let Russell run, let Russell get going like that, let, let Terrence Ferguson fly into the basket, that, that's who they are. That's how they play. And if you can keep them in the half court, you have a pretty good chance. They play the second most amount of possessions in the NBA in transition. And they do it by forcing the most turnovers in the league. So to avoid that, what Quinn Snyder did in a completely brilliant move is he would take Ricky Rubio to angle right and... Rudy Gobert would be standing at the top of the key or even at the free throw line. And, you know, Rubio's about top of the three-point line or a step inside. And instead of bringing Gobert over for the pick or running it from the top where you run a pick and roll from the top where now all of a sudden they're able to impact the ball with you going backwards because you're coming at the pick and Steven Adams, this big monster New Zealand rugby player who happens to be seven feet tall is coming at you in his all black shirt. Not really, but um, all blacks is a rugby team, by the way. Um, And he's coming at you and you're now retreating and is that Quinn spread it out, never brought the pick over. So now Ricky's going downhill at Steven Adams, who's now retreating instead of coming at you. And the unique thing is by doing this, Steven Adams is forced to jump to the ball side, the defender side of the ball over on the right side, leaving Gobert to roll to the basket relatively uncontested. What Oklahoma City then does is comes over from the weak side with their super long Jeremy Grant, Terrence Ferguson, bumps Gobert, leaving for wide open shooting in the on a corner three or the likes. However, what they've also done is suddenly you've got Ricky Rubio with the ball in his hands going at Steven Adams as well as having his defender on there as well as having Jeremy Grant in the lane in a very congested area. And while you have just blown up Oklahoma City's defensive scheme, you have created high-risk passes. The high-risk passes led to the Jazz having an offensive rating against one of the best teams in the league of 117. The high-risk passes led to the Jazz taking 47 shots at the rim 
and 12 corner threes and 29 threes overall and taking 80% of their shots as smart shots that night. It led to the Jazz having one of their better shootings of the night with an effective field goal percentage of 57%. So you cannot analyze that turnover in a bubble of just turnovers. The... The way you have to analyze this is something no one's doing, which is trying to figure out of those eight turnovers Ricky made, sure, the alley-oop with 330 left up by six with a, where if you score the game's over was an inane play. It's a bad time and score result. You've got to have the play in your mind as a point guard that this is, and maybe his viewpoint was our best chance was to go after it at that moment and make that play because if they get their set defense, they're so good we could turn it over again. Um, I think that's... That's a... You know, and maybe that was his decision. I thought that was a really poor play. I thought that was a really poor decision. But in the bigger scope of things, I think you've got to take a minute... And really look at, okay, yeah, there were 24 turnovers in that game, but that's also one of our best offensive games of the year. So, it's easy to just put in a capsule a single turnover and say, well, that's completely, you know, why we lost the game. But it's ignoring the fact that that same offensive scheme that created some high-risk passes also led to 50-whatever shots at the rim, a bunch of corner threes. I mean, the Jazz have just completely blown up Oklahoma City's defensive system to be able to get amazing looks against them. It's just the risk is you turn it over. And that's, you know, that's what Oklahoma City does. Oklahoma City's number one in the league at forcing turnovers. In the lost Oklahoma City earlier this year, we committed 19% of our possessions as turnovers as well. 18.8. Had an offensive rating of a 106.4. I think I'd far rather have a few more turnovers. In the one-point loss to Oklahoma City, we had our lowest turnover rate against them all year and one of our best turnover rates at 12.5, but our offensive rating was a 102. So which of these three would you rather have? A 19.3 percentage turnover rate with an offensive rating of 113, an 18.8 turnover rate with an offensive rating of 106, or a 12.5 turnover rate with a 102.0. It's a no-brainer, the game we had the other night. So to go hammer on the turnovers, I think is really, really misleading. It felt it. I was... Now let me say, let me just say this really clearly. In the moment... Listen to my play-by-play call. I'm going nuts every time we turn it over. Turnovers feel terrible. Live ball turnovers, Rick Carlisle calls catastrophic turnovers. Those are problematic. We gave up 16 live ball turnovers in that game. Now, again, that's the highest of the year. 
you know, we played a lot of a lot more possessions we have in our first overtime game of the year. But 16's a lot. Some more thoughts on the turnovers, how the offense has gotten better and maybe has figured something out, and the weighted schedule still making a difference. Plus, we'll look at what we did to Dallas. And Ricky Rubio, what should we really care about? That's all still coming up today on Locked on Jazz. Life is complicated, especially right now. You're spending more time inside, unable to go to restaurants, and that means you're cooking dinner. But if you're like me, I hate cooking. Multiple trips to the grocery store, hours of monotonous meal prep just so you can scarf down your food in minutes. So when it's dinner time, I grab my phone, open up an app, and order something. But after convenience fees, delivery fees, and who knows whatever other fees, it ends up being close to $100 for two people. But then I met Freshly. Just put up your feet and relax while Freshly chefs and nutritionists do all the hard work. All you do is heat for three minutes and dinner's done. Imagine a better for you golden oven fried chicken, steak peppercorn with sauteed carrots and French green beans, and my personal favorite, buffalo chicken with loaded mashed cauliflower. It's got fewer carbs. That's just a few of the 30-plus health-conscious options to choose from. Freshly understands that food needs to be delicious, healthy, and simple, because let's be honest here, if it's not easy, I'm not going to do it, and if it doesn't taste good, I don't want to eat it. Freshly is offering our listeners $40 off, $40 off for their first two orders at Freshly.com slash LockedOnNBA. That's Freshly.com slash LockedOnNBA. Hi, this is Nate Duncan from Locked On's Hollinger and Duncan podcast. Those of you who listen to our show know that I try to take a measured approach. I'm not prone to hyperbole. It really takes something special to get me excited. But with all that said, Theragun is simply one of the best products that I have ever used. I just turned 40. I've always loved to work out, to play basketball when it's safe. And as I got into my 30s, it just wasn't possible to do that anymore the way I wanted to because my body didn't feel right. And Theragun has helped me fix so many of the aches and pains. I tried everything, massages, chiropractors, this at-home device, handheld percussive therapy has worked better than any of those for me. And now the all-new Gen 4 Theragun has a proprietary brushless motor. It's so quiet. It's no louder than an electric toothbrush. And best of all, you can try Theragun risk-free for 30 days. There's no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4 with an OLED screen, personalized Theragun app, and the quiet and power you need starts at only $199. Go to theragun.com slash locked on, the name of this network right now, and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's theragun.com slash locked on, theragun.com slash locked on. So it was certainly problematic. While I was calling the game, I lost my head when we turned it over three times in a row. At the same time, I guess what I'm trying to say is you've got to get when you analyze turnovers and you zero in on that, you, you've you got to look at the bigger, larger scheme of things, which is we had a hell of a good offense tonight. Heck of a good. Our offense, interestingly, by the way, something might have changed here. On Jan- it, it, It's been a little hit and miss, which is kind of who we are. But if you kind of walk back the last 10 games or so, There's a little something interesting going on with how good we are offensively, and I wonder if Quinn has figured something out. So if you go to the Minnesota game, last 10 games, our offensive rating, and we weren't particularly good against Minnesota, uh, the two Minnesota games, our offensive rating is a 112.4 in the last 10 games. 
Now, helps to have a 122 against Atlanta and a 114 against Phoenix, but we had a 124 against San Antonio and a 127 against Dallas. I mean, some of this is we're not playing as good a teams and our offense is better, but over a course of 82 games, you should really be evaluating yourself based on who you've played. And that's a case where we have played such a loaded schedule, a lot of our numbers are still skewed in the wrong direction. So as we play the rest of the season, favored in almost every game and playing not as good defensive teams, we may see that we're better than the 20th offensive team we've been all year, rise up to about 15th, and we may see that our defense goes against the first, and then stunningly we get right to where we were a year ago uh, and feel much better about it. I have never been a part of a year in which the schedule has dictated the narrative as much as this one. And I think it's because, really, Oklahoma City and Utah, as we showed, are awfully close. I think Denver and Utah are actually awfully close. I think all of these teams are much closer than they've ever been before. And so when you have a schedule that, for the case of Oklahoma City, has been dramatically different than everybody else, and in the case of uh, the Jazz, has been harder than everyone else, you end up with a very different feeling about who you are as much based on opponents as anything else. I want to finish the show today with a thought on on Ricky Rubio and his game against Dallas. He was great. And his second half of seasons have been better, and hopefully he will continue to uh, improve. The thing I think so interesting Uh, and I did this the other day when I was asked like the key player for the season and Ricky. None of us think that Ricky Rubio is a top 10 point guard in the NBA. Just right. None of us do. We think that Ricky Rubio is a great team leader and that he gets a lot of 50, 50 balls and he plays with a great deal of, of energy and he's kind of the passion of the team. And for those things, we love him. When he's going up against Russell Westbrook for 40 minutes, he's just physically outmanned, which has to be mentally trying, and thus he makes mistakes. Same thing Joe Ingles is going through with Paul George. You know, at some point, that's a pretty unfair ask. For the next two and a half hours, I'm going to put you up head-to-head with a guy who's vastly superior physically to who you are and make you try to deal with it. I mean, Russell took... Ricky down in the post and like for two of the first three possessions and just, you know, dominated him and screaming at Quinn saying, you know, he can't guard me and Russ was ready to go. Maybe it's more important that Ricky comes out against San Antonio, goes 7-13, scores 16 points, leads the Jazz in a win against Spurs, has a good game against Phoenix and blasts Dallas. What might be really, really important is not you know, against Houston, Ricky wasn't great in the 27-point loss to the Rockets. And it would, be, it would be ideal if we could suddenly ask Ricky to step up and handle Westbrook and handle Steph Curry and handle Dame Lillard. But that's not who he is. Like, that's, that's asking something out of him that's probably not in his skill set. Like, right? Like, if, we, if you ask 100 NBA experts to rank point guards in the NBA, we're not putting Ricky in that all-NBA tier of players. So why are we 
expecting Ricky to have particularly good nights against all NBA point guards. What might be far more important is that when playing the Bryn Forbes, the Ellie Okobos, the Trey Youngs, um, Jalen Brunson, that he wins those matchups in dominating fashion. And that's what he's done recently. That those are the matchups that he has to win in dominating fashion. And I think he's done it. Um, so I maybe that's a paradigm switch that we have to take on how we view what Ricky's doing. This is Locked on Jazz. Now, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on NBA. And enjoy the Monday edition with Josh Lloyd on the biggest stories of the local experts. I hope you have a wonderful day. Thanks for tuning in. Love the slow, the flow stories. Keep sending them to me at dlock09 at gmail.com. Have a great day. Hi, guys. This is Josh Lloyd, host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. The NBA is back, so that means that fantasy basketball is back in one form or another. We've got daily fantasy, but there's also some fantasy leagues with the resumption of play with these eight regular season games in Orlando, and Locked On Fantasy Basketball is going to have you covered. It's not just for fantasy basketball, though, because we recap all of the games across the NBA, so if you're looking for a broad overview of the action across the league every day, Locked On Fantasy Basketball is the podcast for you.